My name is Dwight Heck, founder of Give a Heck Financial. And if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited to have Dwight Heck with us today. Give a Heck Financial was founded by Dwight Heck. He started his career while living paycheck to paycheck as a single dad of five children. Like many of us, Dwight didn't understand how money worked or the basics of budgeting. Money came in and immediately disappeared, followed by sleepless nights and stress-filled with quiet desperation. Instead of asking for help, Dwight kept his financial troubles to himself to avoid embarrassment and judgment. I think we all know the bury your head in the sand ostrich technique. Um, Tired of feeling like he was stumbling through life with no direction, Dwight made up his mind to live with intention and purpose. A turning point came in 2001. He discovered some major health issues. It led to a crossroads of giving up the emotionally, mentally, and physically draining IT consultant world. After working nine hard, relatively thankless years as an IT consultant, a friend reached out to Dwight in 2002 and asked if he was interested in checking out the finance and insurance industry. He encouraged Dwight to use his remarkable people skills, relatability, and ability to teach and train to help others in financial distress. Dwight was instantly sold on the idea of making the lives of people better while enhancing his own. Although Dwight knew nothing about budgeting, investing, or life insurance, he was determined to learn it for the sake of his own family and then help others to do the same. Done with the nights of quiet desperation, Dwight rose to the top of his industry and has spent the last 18 years helping families and businesses thrive. I am super, super excited to dig into this conversation. Dwight, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. No problem. I appreciate the invite. I am excited to have you here. So let's go ahead and dig into your past a little bit. There's so many amazing points in your intro and in your story that I think so many people can relate to. And you mentioned the IT world. Was that always where you thought you were going to end up? Was that like what you wanted to be when you grew up? I remember at one point in time when I was really young, I wanted to be a fire engine. <laughs> Not a firefighter, <laughs> but a fire engine. Fire engine. <laughs> and how did you yeah. think that was going to work? <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty young. My siblings still tease me about that, but yeah, no. Um, one time I thought I'd be, when I was in going into high school, I thought I was going to be an accountant and took a couple courses and realized how, and no offense to accountants, how boring that was for me. <laughs> I'll add that for me. And yeah, then I started getting into computers. I joined the, the computer club and got interested in electronics and um, how did that segue into IT? Well, I went to a technical college in Canada here in my city in Edmonton, and I went and got my electronics engineering diploma and got involved in IT and decided, you know, I kind of like it. I've always liked computers since I was a kid. I liked electronics. 
the problem is, is when I get involved with stuff, I'm pretty tenacious about it. And <laughs> I, I go into it a thousand percent, not a hundred percent. And it caused some health issues for me. And that's how I ended up pivoting into the finance industry 18 years ago. You know, I think that that's a really interesting thing to comment on really quickly is that all or nothing mentality that so many entrepreneurs have the going a hundred thousand percent and then you crash. And we just, for some reason, there's this idea that's been bred into entrepreneurs that you have to work like a million hours a week in order to be successful. And that always leads to burnout. Um, And I think it's super interesting when I hear you talk about that because it's such a common story. Yeah, it it definitely was uh, a burnout situation. Um, before I suffered my health issues, I was literally on a project. The project had about five, six months that I had to finish a complete secured network system, um, interlacing and tying together Apple computers and PCs in a development world. And I knew that the amount of hours it was going to take to do it was more than I had quoted. And why did I do that? Well, I I knew the people that I was doing it for. They had hired me to do other consulting work for them. And I wanted to give them a break because they were a fairly new startup as well. But that led me to working literally five days straight without sleep. Um, I would literally get up. Uh, off my desk, I'd go into where I could get another coffee, get something out of the vending machine, and I'd have people bring me a change of clothing. In that five days, I went home twice and had showers, but I literally went nonstop and didn't sleep. And people say, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. I did it. and But it caused, I, I ended up getting the project done by the date that I promised I would but at a a huge price. It wasn't just physical, it was emotional and it was mental to a point where I ended up taking the whole summer off because the contract ended pretty much the beginning of July and I ended up taking the whole summer off because of burnout. But And I started working again in September and just before September 11th um, happened, I ended up having started feeling weird and by the end of September I ended up having some major health concerns I was struck with a condition called Bell's palsy Um, some people don't know what it is it's paralysis of a nerve that actually affects um, your facial your face and it affects your head and I spent the next three months with massive headaches being unable to function and not being able to work at all to a point where the neurologists and Doctors were telling me after they obviously I sat and found out what I was going through that I had to leave. I needed to leave that career. I needed to find something where I could work at a different pace that, um, you know, I'd be more satisfied in the sense that it wouldn't affect my health. Because in the IT world, I consulted for many different levels of government. I consulted for the police. I consulted for different companies and I'd have the multiple amount of bosses. Entrepreneurs don't realize when you're an entrepreneur uh, at a job, you have, you might have a, a supervisor, two bosses tops. When you're an entrepreneur and you have lots of clients, each one of those clients is your boss. So I might please one client really well. And another four are pissed off because not because I'm not good at what I do because their pace or what they expect me to do is quicker than I could do. My tenacious personality I'd take on more than I should have, right? So 
that's basically where the health issues came into and why I pivoted and had to leave that industry. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting side of the conversation that I feel like we don't always get into enough. Um, kind of the, the way that stress and burnout and putting that much responsibility on ourselves to where we're not taking care of ourselves can actually affect our long-term ability to do our job. And this applies whether you're working for somebody else or whether you're working for yourself. Um, and I think it's super interesting when I hear people talk about eating right and working out and taking care of themselves. And that always seems to be the thing that they don't have time to do because they're working until, you know, universe or God or whatever you believe in kind of stops you with a brick wall and says, okay, I gave you enough chances. Now it's time to listen. And that's, that's what happened to me. I got struck hard and it, it was, uh, I know what some of my friends call it and I am a Christian, so I don't take this as offense when people say this, I had a call, you know, call to Jesus and it was like, slow down. Right. Yeah. Cause I was at the, at this point in time, I had shared custody of five children and you know, I wasn't, even when I did have them, I wasn't present. I was always thinking about my, what, you know, Oh, I got to spend this time with them. And then I'm going to, you know, once they're in bed, I can work for another four or five hours, get a couple hours of sleep, get up with them. And, you know, it's just entrepreneurs put it. I'm not saying entrepreneurship's bad. I'm just saying that the entrepreneur schools don't exist, right? We have to find those mentors and those people that can help us. And that's basically what I want. I do with my current, you know, my current career, my current company on a finance level, but I want to take that beyond that and help people you know, always be able to live life on purpose, not by accident in all aspects of their lives, because finance, you can have that all in order, but if your six inches isn't in place with your heart, it doesn't matter, right? And you end up suffering burnout or you always sacrifice yourself for everybody else. And yourself is actually has to be the most important because otherwise you're no good to anybody. Yeah, I I love that statement so much, live on purpose, um, because I feel like so much... Um, of what we do is reactionary to our situation, whether it be, you know, you're working for somebody or you're an entrepreneur and you're reacting to certain things. And we always just seem to be just behind the eight ball. And then when you realize a statement like live on purpose and you start actually taking control of your days, taking control of your finances, taking control of your future, then you can see that that reactionary lifestyle isn't the way that it has to be. Um, I love the name of your company. Give a Heck Financial is fantastic. I mean, for a financial advisor, for anybody in the insurance or financial advisory world, you are, you're blessed with an amazing last name (laughs) and get to build that, um, build that business. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting with COVID when it hit and we got locked down in, well, North America, Canada specifically where I live. I uh, was looking at what I wanted to do with my company and it had a different name. And I went on to a podcast and a good friend of mine and also a mentor, Tony Watley, he, um, he was interviewing, he does his podcast live in a closed group and, that I'm part of and we're allowed to be on that group and watch. And Alexander Watkins, um, Eat My Words, she wrote a book called Eat My Words. She owns a big company. She's actually credited with the term Baconator. She actually created that for Wendy's. 
And That's amazing. The, yeah, after the podcast interview was done, we as a group of 365 Driven Society that were on there were asked if we had any questions. So I started me, my personality. I'm pretty, you know, I'm I'm introverted, but when it comes at the right time, I'm extroverted. So I was excited listening to her and I was all jacked up. So I started typing and I said, well, this is the name of my current company. I said, it's called Slight Edge Financials. She says, that's, you know, she, this is my words, but basically she said, that's stupid. She says, who <laughs> wants a slight edge on their financials? She says, she says, I don't know who helped you do that, but she says, if you want to call it something, call it big, big, you know, big edge financials. She says, what's your last, she says, what's your name again? And Tony, I think it was Tony said, well, it's Dwight Heck. She went, what? What is the last name? Heck. Well, why wouldn't you use your last name? You got the perfect stick. You got the perfect hook. And, you know, within hours after that conversation, Tony was sending me messages going, because we thought, well, what about what the heck? Well, couldn't find it. It was already taken. The domain was taken. I looked local registries. I couldn't uh, get the trade name. I couldn't trademark it. And Tony sent me, well, you know what? Give a hex available on the domain. Buy it right now, <laughs> basically, right? So, you know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But mm -hmm. it, on top of all that, your six inches have to be there. And COVID, I did not want to be on the other side of COVID in the same place I was prior. Not that where I was was terrible, but I was stuck. I felt like that hamster on a wheel, constantly running and running and running once in a while, get, going off the wheel to go have some water and food and then getting back on the wheel, go to work, go home, get paid. So that's how give a heck financial, like give a heck itself. And then I've taken it much farther than that. I've done so much since that all, because that all happened and transpired in about April. Um, I've registered for the trademark now, which takes up to two years, which I couldn't believe. Um, I've got that brand new website that's been developed um, and up and running, which eventually will be a portal. So when you go on to it now, it says give a heck financial. Eventually, it'll be give just give a heck and it'll be a portal to um, coaching, speaking, author and finance, because that's always been my dream. I've spoken on lots of stages in the finance world. I've trained hundreds of agents around North America on how to win the money game and teach others to do the same. But I want to, I want to take it above that. I want to, I want to go global. I literally want to be able to, if it's all virtual, I don't care. Some person in, I have a people, a couple of people in Hawaii, for an example, that have seen um, my videos. I do videos every single day, which we can touch on that later and why I do that. But um, I've also heard a couple of my podcasts have reached out because I'm willing to help people no matter where they are, learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. Yeah, I love that so much. And you know, you're so the name of your company, Give a Heck Financial, really speaks to me because when what you were talking about or what we were talking about in your intro as far as just that um what I call ostrich syndrome, you know, bury your head in the sand and just oh. forget that your finances exist. Like I've lived that life. And sometimes when it comes to my personal <laughs> life, I still live it. Um, you know, it's crazy how you can take so much care of your business and then your personal finances are just, you know, and, and sometimes it comes down to so much to clean up that you're just like, okay, I can't deal with that. It's like the storage unit that you haven't cleaned out for a year and a half. Right. And you need to go in and go through it and figure out what's there. 
Um, but I can totally relate to that. And so when you have give a heck financial, like it's just a reminder, kind of that punch in the gut, the like, this is something you should care about. You know, this is something that you should take the time to set up because you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about setting up for whatever your golden years or your retirement years are going to look like. Too many times people wait until way too long to have that conversation. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, that's the saddest part of my, of my uh, chosen profession is when I get referrals, people reach out to me or even current clients that haven't chosen to listen to me and they'll say to me, well, this is so, cause I goal set with people, right? If you actually look at my site, I go through a specific process of helping people and I have done it the same way for 18 years. And when you goal set with people and you find out what they want to achieve. And one of the questions is, is, you know, you want to achieve a retirement and I'll say to them, well, what age do you want to achieve retirement? You know, you get gamut of everything, 55, 60, 65. Oh, I'm never going to retire. And, you know, and, and you look at your, their current age, and then I break down and find out what assets they have. And then I ask them, you know, well, what do you want to achieve in a retirement? What are you looking for? And, uh, you know, what, do you, what are your current hobbies? Oh, I like boating. I like doing, you know, going camping. I like traveling. What do you think, what does that look like for you when, you, when you're retired? How often are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to do it way more than I do it now. And, and, you know, through meetings after meetings, I'll do a meeting just specifically budgeting. And I hope they all agree to it. A lot of people don't. I look at what they're spending. I look at what they're bringing in. They're living more months than money. They can't even survive now, yet their aspirations and dreams for their retirement are totally outlandish. They couldn't even do it on their current income, let alone um, on a future income based on what the assets they have and what they've been trying to save. They're swimming in debt and there's so many different things I need to help them out with. But the biggest thing that I need to help them out with, Amber, is they're six inches between their ears. My business is so beyond finance. Traditional financial people are product sellers. I'm people driven and I want to help people live life on purpose because I've been in that quiet desperation. And just like you, you know, I've let my personal life suffer and then um, I ended up getting, as a side note, when I got cust full custody of my kids um, and one income, it was like a kick in the gut, you know, and I, and I was already in the finance industry, but I really wasn't even taking it serious for myself. And that's a giant wake up call. We can be hypocrites in a sense of, you know, we don't practice what we preach. I was, but I wasn't, right? So yeah, that's the biggest thing we need to work on is our six inches between our ears to help people learn how the money game works and, and be realistic about where they're at. If they say to me they're, and they're 58 and they want to retire at 65 and I come back to them with what they tell me based on their goals and aspirations, well, you got to save eight grand a month and they make three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that you say that because... <laughs> It's such a different approach to the financial industry than I've been exposed to in the past. Like most people, like you said, are product driven. They're like, okay, here's this 401k, here's this IRA, here's, you know, whatever product we're going to put your, your investments into. And this conversation about, okay, what do you really want your future to look like? Doesn't happen enough. And the education piece of it, of 
why we're doing certain things so that we can set you up for this. Um, and I, you know, my, my platform is define what success means to you, define what your life looks like to you, define what your perfect life looks like and build a business around that. So you can have the life you've always wanted. And I love that you're taking that into the retirement years as well of, you know, set yourself up now to have the life you want when you retire. Well, I challenge them even to, you know, I'll say to people, okay, when you retire, because I do a comprehensive breakdown and I find out I do a net worth statement for them and it lists their, their vehicles. And I'll say to them, well, your vehicle's like seven, eight years old and you're going to retire. And, you know, how many new vehicles do you want? Well, what does that matter? Well, how do you pay for that new vehicle? Are you going to yeah. want to pay for it outright? Are you going to want to make payments? Are you going to want one vehicle? Are you going to want two vehicles? Oh, when we retire, we're going to buy a big fifth wheel. We're going to need a bigger truck. Okay. What do you think that costs? What do you think that imagined costs? Oh, and some people will know. Okay. Well, this is what the cost is and this is what you want. And, you know, it's just, they've never been challenged to think outside of their dreams. And it doesn't mean that their dreams aren't good. They're, that's, that's what they're aspiring and they're dreaming for. But the reality of it is here's one side of the coin. Here's another side of the coin. How are we going to get, when you flip it, how do you get to the other side? How do you get through all that, you know, non ability to, you know, factor in numbers and you need to have people that can relate. And that's the biggest problem in my industry is, and it's, there's a lot of good people. Don't get me wrong, Amber. There's great people in my industry, women and men that are doing it, but they've been trained incorrectly. And it's no different than our education system, how broken it is in North America and how it ed educates and teaches too. So, I also have a vision to make better agents to help them be, be better than they thought they could be. And I'm working with, I've been working with people for years, but I've got a couple right now that I'm working with, uh, um, you know, somebody that's 23 years of age and somebody that's 37 years of age. Right. And, and, and the gamut in between. So it's beyond wanting to just help all clients. Cause I can only touch so many people. I need to magnify and I don't want the music that I've learned to die inside of me. I want to make sure that I can share that and teach yeah. others to do the same. Yeah, that's, that's super powerful. And, you know, going back a little bit to what you said about the hardest part of your job is, is working with, you know, what's in individuals' minds, you know, what's in between their ears. And I think that that's super important because this, the way that people think that has gotten them into whatever financial trouble that they're in now is the same mindset that's going to go into retirement. And the idea that that's just going to automatically shift because somebody retires just isn't the way life works. And so you know, the numbers are easy. The numbers are just math. The numbers are, it's, it's money, right? It's the people and getting them to work within their numbers, to shift the way they think, to shift what they think is important, to realize that maybe going out every night isn't as important as saving for retirement. Like those are the hard conversations to have. And the fact that you know that and that you work within that is so fantastic. Yeah. It's uh it's been a game changer for my own life because so I'm not a hypocrite and I'm not a person that talks out of the side of their side of their butt. <laughs> I have to basically be able to, you know, relate and do the walk and help people understand. And the biggest thing for, you know, I talked a little bit about budgeting 
budgeting is something that I don't know why our society, even I used to think, I used to get, I'd get this anxiety, this crippling anxiety when people would mention budgeting. But really, how do you live life on purpose, not by accident? It's by knowing what numbers you have in. If you're bringing in um, $1,000 a month and your bills are 1300 it's easy to see why you're always spiraling out of control. But if somebody tells you, well, let's sit down and figure out this is how many, you know, this is what my expenses are every single month. And then, you know, they approximate for the next month and they go back at the beginning of the month and look and say, well, I said 600 for groceries and I spent 650 how does that affect my bottom line? Well, at the bottom of this, I use the same spreadsheet that I've been using for 18 years, created it in Excel. I've revamped it a little bit, but it's so straightforward. At the bottom, it says 1,000. I spent 1,500. You got negative 500 because sometimes people need to get that visual slap upside mm-hmm. the head. And, you know, then they'll tell me I've never been on a vacation. I have families, honestly, swear to God, 40 years old. And, you know, they've got a couple kids never been outside the city and I'll help them budget and actually start to, to uh, start saving. And then one of their entries in their budgets is vacation. And then if they have excessive debt, I'll teach them for free. There's companies that charge for it. I teach them for free, how to do uh, debt roll up and consolidation of debt and how to pay it down in an effective manner. Plus save for their, their future at the same time, because you can do both, but nothing happens by accident is the point. Yeah, 100%. Nothing happens by accident. And that's such an important lesson to learn. Um, So you mentioned your videos. What type of videos do you do and where are they found? Um, I'll have to segue into this. So end of February, when I was looking at, I was kind of confused what I wanted to do with my business. I didn't see the fact that I was, how I was going to get and create a personal brand because I'd been reading about it and getting, moving myself forward and I was sitting on the couch and I was on my tablet one evening about second week of February and up comes a post from Tony Watley, 365 Driven Entrepreneur Group, which is a free group that people can join. And he says, hey, I'm starting up this society for the elite. This is, you know, join it. We're going to have challenges every month. I've got courses for free that I've charged thousands of dollars for people to have that you're going to have access to. And I want you to, you know, come check it out. And I was sitting there and I just, it was like a, you know, you see those cartoon pictures where you got the bubble above your head and a giant light bulb goes bing, right? It was, I just, I never even hesitated. I went on, you know, hit it, paid for the, used my credit card, paid for it, joined this society. And the first challenge was video challenges to help you get past your fear of talking to people. So March Ooh. 1st, that March 1st, I did my first video March 2nd, some people posted in the group, we should do this live. We shouldn't do it recorded. And from March 2nd to, now I haven't done today's, but March 2nd to yesterday, I have not missed a live video on uh, Facebook. I have uh, every single day, right? And I'd say 80% of those days, I'm live on Instagram at the same time. Um, because I have two, I have two stands here. I can't, you can't see them, but Tony was the one that paid you this. This is why you want to do it. You want to work with the algorithms and you're better to do live than recorded. And I just basically, the first few days I had giant sweat pockets. My bald head was sweaty and it was just, it was horrible. I thought I was going to literally vomit <laughs> doing it because, <laughs> you know, but 
you know, it changed me. It changed and gave me confidence. It helped me ride through the the COVID wave. And and personally, it I would recommend everybody try it, right? So that was one of the things that one of his challenges. It was 30 days. Then it went 60 days. And then he said he said to people, who on here is gonna do it 365 days? And I went, pick me. Oh I'm, wow. I'm not a I'm not a quitter. I'm tenacious SOB. Because if you know anything about Tony Watley, his success, he did the same thing himself when before he created the society. He posted every single day and you can go find some of his old videos and you look from where he started to where he is today. And oh my gosh, that was a pivotal point in his life because now when you're sharing something with people live, even us doing this now, I'm vulnerable. I don't have a script. I make mistakes. I put my foot in my mouth. You can correct it. You learn how to articulate. You learn how to, and then on top of all that, what topics do I talk about every day? So you learn to be more, uh, to learn, to listen to people better, to when you're listening to, say, your podcast or you're listening to a book. I don't really read a lot. I listen to a lot of Audible because I read so much in my business and I listen and I pause and I use my one note on my phone and I put in, oh, wow, that's a great topic. Or somebody will have a conversation or my kids will message me something now or friends. They'll say, hey, do this on a video today or tomorrow. We thought about this and you'd be good at that. And, you know, it's just it's been a, it's been a, a roller coaster ride and, it, and I've loved every moment of it. It helped give me confidence. It helped me to want to rebrand and change my life and know that. The music isn't dead in me yet. Um, I got still lots of dance left in me and I want to make sure I, you know, teach others to do the same. Oh, the music references are making me happy, man. <laughs> I am a music nerd and you're speaking my language here. So. Oh gosh, I'm a concert freak. Yeah, this is hard. COVID's hard on me. I right? To, I go to 70 concerts a year. I've been to hundreds of concerts and I like all genres. So I've been to everything. It sucks. But yeah. It is. It'll come back. It will come back. I'm going to be the first person at the concerts. Yes, definitely agree. Um, So I want to touch on what you said about your videos. So first of all, they're on your Facebook page, which is what? Um, Dwight Heck. So your personal page or your business page? Personal page. You can find them on my business page, but it's better to go to my personal. I honestly, I haven't had the time to maintain um, anything but my personal. If you go to www.giveaheck.com at the bottom of of the landing page every page you'll see where all the little like instagram facebook you can connect and find out all my social media um but yeah if you look up dwight heck you'll find me you'll see me um and all my handsomeness (laughs) (laughs) awesome Um, i have a sense of humor so that's so that, that actually ups the game a little bit because I was going to comment on how you know the only way that we get better at something is by doing it. So you started these videos and you were really nervous and then you kept doing them and you got better and that's an amazing story in and of itself. But then you throw this curveball at me that you're doing this on your personal page, which most entrepreneurs are like, "Oh, I can't talk about my business on my personal page because my friends will freak out." And you know, it's so interesting to me that you did it there because most people kind of 
create this business page and then they go live there and then they're like, I hope people find me instead of going live on their personal page. So what was that experience like for you? Did you, did you experience any negativity from the people on your feed? Did you experience any, this isn't the place for this? Cause I know that's what a lot of new entrepreneurs wonder. Um, initially I thought about a business page and again, mentorship is so important. Tony does not believe that a business page is the place to do it. If you're going to be vulnerable and you're going to create your associations, create your tribe, you're going to create your team that you need to do it on your personal page and you're going to lose people. You're going to gain people, but really at the end of the day, who are you trying to please? You're trying to find those that are like-minded or want to be like-minded or they're aspiring to want to change and be vulnerable. So most of my videos have nothing to do with my business out of the hundred and I don't know what I'm at now, 180 days. Um, you will find maybe three videos that talk about anything to do with my business. It's about vulnerability and helping people with the six inches between their ears and, and their, and their heart. And have I had criticisms? Yeah. Um, have I cared? Not really. Initially I used to care about the likes. I used to care about the comments. Now I don't care if I have one person that's listening to me. It's shocking how many people I run into, even in my local community, or I'll get a message sent to me and they'll say, you know, oh, this video was just resonated with me. You made me cry or you made me laugh because, you know, I do all the gamut of the emotions, right? And never have had a like from them, never have had a comment from them, don't know they're even watching it, but yet, we can get past needing gratification in the sense of that little like or, or that view, and we just do it from the heart and we're trying to change people's lives. It is so satisfying. It is so gratifying. And I just keep on doing it. And as I'm building my tribe on my personal page, both Instagram, because all my Instagram stuff, you can look for me on IGTV too. Every single video is on IGTV. Um, my YouTube channel, I post most of them up there as well, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, the personal page is what my mentor Tony says is the best way to do it. I've been doing it and it makes me stand out from the crowd because like you said, everybody thinks as an entrepreneur, you got to have a business page, but the business page is if you want exposure, you have to, you're paying for that shit because you can invite like I get so tired on my notifications on my personal such and such wants you to come to their page yes. as they create their as they create their business pages and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody they don't know I initially thought that too but when Tony said don't you know part of the challenge is you cannot do this to a business page it has to be your personal page pick a platform Facebook Instagram if you do both do it right apply for your LinkedIn live now because it takes like a year to get I did everything he said because I'm a great student and I'm tenacious once I start something I don't quit yes I love it and you know my mentor has said the same thing um, both of them that I have that talks about lives has said the same thing you know um, personal is the the place to do it your personal page you know and and there's a big difference between going out there and you know, posting, come buy my stuff and going out there and posting live and really adding value to people. And I think that's kind of where the difference is in, you know, kind of that dirty, sleazy cars salesman feeling that people get. So I love that you're doing it on your personal page. And I think that that's super, super inspiring and inspiring to me because this is one of the areas that I know I've fallen short in my journey is 
podcasting, I kind of, I'm, I'm going to use the word hide behind the mic, although I'm not hiding at all. Like my stuff's super vulnerable, but you can't see my face. Right. And it can be edited and oh, that's amazing. And then you go live and you're like all the imperfections of video and the live and the, the human side of it. And, you know, I was talking to somebody about this, um, at a podcasting event that I was at on Friday and Podmax. Podmax. Yes. And we were, um, I forgot that's how we connected. Um, So we um, were talking about how, you know, if you think of somebody like Trent Shelton, he's out there doing his videos running through the woods and like everybody connects with that. And that's amazing. He wouldn't have that same connection if he was sitting in a studio having these like perfectly edited, like TV commercial style videos. Like it's the human side of things that people want to connect with. Well, and you know, that's another thing. Like I enjoy being able to see people. I'm a very visual person. Um, people can be auditory, visual. I'm. You can be a bo- combination of both. I'm very visual. So even us doing this the way we're doing it, and I get to see your face and your smile, it makes me glad, right? Yeah. I like seeing it. I've done a few podcasts where I see nothing, and I don't like it. I'm just being real, right? I'm not. I'm not. No, no knock to the people that prefer to do it that way. I so much prefer personal contact, whether it's virtual like this or not. I get, I'm a student of human behavior. I like looking at people's mannerisms, their tonality. I like listening to it along with their body language. And so I really appreciate you doing it this way and being vulnerable yourself. You should, you know, do the videos. I think you'd be fantastic at it. Like, honestly, <laughs> I do. I think you'd be amazing at it, right? You've got, you. you got a great smile. You've got a great, like, obviously, I, I don't know you as well as I'd like to. I've read up on you and um, listen to a podcast. And I think, yeah, I can't see why you wouldn't just smash it, right? Just kill it. <laughs> well, that's a good segue into our conversation about fear and fear of failure and fear of rejection that we're going to have, right? So like, why don't we go out and do things like this? It's because, you know, that fear of what someone going to say to me. And this is why I love this conversation so much, because I know that every single person on the planet who's running a business or who wants to run a business has thought those words at some point in time. What is everybody going to think of me? I'm afraid to do this. The difference between the people who make it and the people who don't are how do you respond to that, right? Do you let that stop you? Or do you say, all right, screw fear, Um, I'm doing this. And then you deal with that pit in your stomach and maybe you throw up afterwards and that's okay. (laughs) But you didn't let it stop you. And, you know, I really wanted to hit on what you said when you were explaining your journey with these videos, because you put it perfectly, you know, in the beginning, it was, you know, a disaster and you were, um, you know, you felt like you weren't doing it right. And you were like really nervous and then it got easier with time. And now you can't imagine not doing it. And it's just amazing to see the way that your comfort zone grows. And then you find other things to make you uncomfortable so you can grow even more. But I think, I just think it's super fantastic. So good for the videos. I like them. Thanks. So yeah, the uncomfortableness. Now I've I've joined a mentorship group to um, create a specific YouTube channel where I'll start doing training videos and um, webinars specific to all the things I talked about and the steps that I go through in finance so that people 
that are uncomfortable, even virtually, can go on YouTube and watch it and stuff. So talk about being uncomfortable. This is a significant investment to join this because they have you, their, their goal is to have you up and running in 90 days. And I just wow. joined that last week. So talk about being uncomfortable. <laughs> Plus I still have life to live. I still have my business. But at the end of the day, I always knew since I was little and I started labeling it in my, in my mindset as I got into my 30s and 40s that I thrive on change. And every time I've stopped changing, I plateau and I flatline. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to work, go home, get paid, whether it's a job or an entrepreneurship, a, you know, a business, I need to change. I need to thrive. I need to grow and being uncomfortable though. It sucks is a fuel. It's a driver. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So um, I want to shift gears just a little bit um, and talk about success for a minute because we've, um, kind of danced around the topic a little bit in relation to setting people up for what they want as their perfect retirement. Um, But the reason that I started this podcast was because so many times people get addicted to challenges um, or to accomplishments. They get addicted to finishing things or doing that feeling that we get when we've made somebody else happy. And we don't take enough time to think, well, what's going to make me happy or what do I really want? And I realized that not enough people define what success means to them. So I love asking this question to every one of my guests. How do you personally define success? And how has that definition changed for you throughout your life? Um, how do I define success? Well, for me, I have always aspired to focus on three things and that's faith, family, and work. So for me to be successful, I need to be connected, whether you're, you know, a Christian or an atheist or agnostic, whatever the case may be, um, whatever label, I guess you want to put on yourself, I need to have that in place. I have to have um, my family in place and I have to have work. So for me, success would be to have all three of those in some form of balance. And I'm, I know living a balanced life is impossible. That's unrealistic, but I need to focus on those three things. And I've failed at focusing on those three things. I've had points in time in my life where I've blamed God for my mistakes or where I'm at in my life, and God had nothing to do with it. it, It's all about me. It's just easy to point the finger and three-point back. It works the same way with your faith. And then with my family, I realize, you know, as I've gotten older and I look back at all the memories, I have lots of great memories, but I didn't necessarily always was happy in those memories in the sense that I look back at myself and I was thinking, as I mentioned earlier, I was thinking about, oh, geez, I got to go do this once I'm done creating this memory. I've got to run and do this. I got a client worried about this. Oh, how am I going to pay the bills tomorrow when I was in those quiet desperation stages? How am I going to pay for my daughter's dance? How am I going to pay for my son's soccer? How am I going to do all this stuff? And I wasn't living in in a level of happiness that I truly deserved. So as, as I've gotten older, my level of success or what I want to have as success has made it so that I can hone that connection to God not blame anybody but myself, um, 
be more embracing in, in my connection with my faith, with my family. Now that they're all growing up, I'm an empty nester. They're all out of the house. When I spend time with them, I'm present. I don't give a crap about anything outside of that. And, you know, keep your smartphone down. This is our time together. If it's urgent thing, it's emergency, tell me, but otherwise let's not use our phones. Let's just be without each other so that the memory we are creating is more than just a little snapshot. It's an actual vision of, of what we experience together and we, and the happiness amongst it. So, and then the lastly, the work portion of it is, I don't want to ever stop learning. I don't want to ever stop growing. I don't want to hit those plateaus anymore. So for me, success is all three of those things and working hard at all three of them to make sure that they connect, right? And continuing to get better at them because I failed. I'd, I'd, I'd be really good at one and the other two were suffering or good at two and one was suffering. But without, for me, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but unless you get those three to actually connect with one another, it is for me, it, it just wasn't working. So my success as a young man and now as an older seasoned gentleman <laughs> is a little bit different. And I focused on those three things. One thing I will add though, too, as I get corrected by people, what about health? Well, yes, health's important for me too, right? So you could add that as your fourth or wherever you wanted to add it into that, into that stack of, uh, of three. Yeah. And, and I love that you mentioned health at the same time though. Um, I think that health kind of naturally falls into all of the other categories that you talked about because you can't have, um, you know, your family, you can't have your faith, you can't have the other areas of your life will that make you happy without being healthy. Cause if you're exhausted all the time, um, it's, and, and, you know, I think this is one of the things that COVID really pointed out to people. I made the comment to somebody um, that because I was forced to slow down in COVID, my law firm slowed down significantly because courts were closing. Dancing wasn't available. Music wasn't available. I couldn't go out and do the things that I normally did. I was really forced, like a lot of people, to slow down. And I remember about three or four days in, I started to get like this energy that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And I thought, man, I had gotten so used to living exhausted that you forget what it's like to be rested. You forget what it's like to actually have the, to take the time, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes to have a gratitude practice or meditate throughout the day, you know, whatever resonates with you. And as awful as COVID is, and as much as I'm ready for it to go away, the one thing I'm truly thankful for is that I think it really has opened people's eyes on what do I really want out of life? You know, they lost their job they hated going to and they didn't realize that they hated going to it until they didn't have to go anymore. And now they're like, but I have this side business and I would really like to make this work and I got to make money. So let me figure out how to make it happen. And I just, I love that COVID has kind of forced people to think of their priorities. It definitely has. Um, unfortunately, you know, I belong to quite a few mastermind mentorship groups and they all say the same thing. You know, they've been saying it since moment one. Where are you going to be at the end of this? Where are you, are you going to be in the same place? Most people won't even be at the same place. They'll be worse off because it's caused so much emotional distress that they haven't, you know, been able to work and they've been hiding at their jobs and maybe their home life was terrible. 
um, and they have to, and they only had to deal with it in the evenings. Now all of a sudden they're stuck at home or now your kids, if you have kids, you're at home teaching them and you've never been a teacher. You know, you've only spent short periods of time with your kids in the evening and really don't know your children because on the weekends you're chasing them around and doing this and that. It's forced families to have to connect in a good way and in some families in a bad way. Um, so, you know, where are you going to be at the end of all COVID? I know myself and yourself and many other people have chosen to, you know, push through it and realizing that we want to be different versions of ourselves. I love how you said that your energy levels changed um, after with, with the initial, you know, all this happening with COVID. And, you know, when you were saying that, I thought to myself too, I wonder how many people actually discovered their home. Yeah. Did they actually discover the, their four walls of their home? And, and did they have gratitude? Did they feel blessed? Because I do gratitude exercises. I did it this morning. Before I even get out of my bed, I'm, I'm doing gratitude exercises. Um, and, you know, we just have to be forces for good. You and I and everybody that's listening, we need to go out and one person at a time, make a difference so that they can experience what we've been experiencing these last five, six months. Yeah. And there's a bunch of elements that go into what you just talked about. And, and I want to say like, I was doing a gratitude practice before because that's what I knew I was supposed to be doing. Right. Like I knew gratitude was important, but there's a difference between doing it because it's on your task list and your to-do list and you need to get it done and actually doing it, you know? And I feel like that's where COVID came into play was, um, I had to find things that I was thankful for. I had to find things that I was grateful for because all of the other things that I had been filling my life with had disappeared, right? And and the other word that you really mentioned that is so powerful that I want to point out is choice. We have made the choice to make to make sure that we come out better at the end of this than we were when we started. And it is 100% a choice every single day um, when we wake up. And my coach always says, and I love this so much, it's my favorite saying that she says, um, choice is a powerful thing, suffering is always optional. And it's so true because we could be miserable right now. And the other part of that, the other part of that kind of triangle that I want to hit on is mentorship because surrounding yourself with people who are also making the choice to better themselves is so important. The energy that surrounds you from the people that you let into your life affects you so much. It can like suck you in if you let it. It's so crazy when I get around some people that are a little bit more negative and I have to physically remove myself from whatever group I'm in because you can feel your energy changing. Um, it's so crazy. So those are the things I wanted to hit on choice, mentorship, and then really feeling why you're doing things, the intentional part of what you were talking about. I think those things are kind of like my COVID triangle that's getting me out of this at the end. That's a good way to say it, COVID triangle. <laughs> My COVID triangle, instead like of like, like the Bermuda Triangle, except we're going to make it out. So, But again, you know, <laughs> other people could hear you say that and interpret it a different way. 100%. It's your mindset. It's, right? it's not the events. It's not what we say that define us. It's what we take away from it, right? And one of my mentors, Ed Milet, talks about that all the time. And, you know, the fact that you can look at anything. You can have an event going on. 
and what's your takeaway from it? So they could hear you say COVID triangle and, and get all angry and angst, or they could be like me and smile. It's like, wow, I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, great. I will probably, somebody will probably say COVID triangle is offensive and they'll ask me to change the name of my group and I'll be like, bye-bye. <laughs> um, I've seen so many people changing the name of their group because people are like, the name of your, your tribe is offensive. And I'm like, look, like we could go down this road forever. And I want to be sympathetic to your thoughts, but I am not going to stop using the word tribe because my people are my tribe. And that's just the way I love, I love <laughs> the word tribe. I'm trying to think who originally, oh, she's a lady and Ed interviewed her and oh, she's, is it Rachel Hollis? I can't remember who, who first introduced me and I've heard the word tribe before, obviously, but really resonated with me. And I just can't remember who it was now, but yeah, I love the word tribe. Sometimes yeah. I add team into it when I'm yeah. talking um, in my videos because some people don't get it or they're offended by it. So I'm still kind of trying to please both sides of the coin, but less and less because you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking for like-minded individuals and the rest, you should watch a couple of videos that I've done on riding a bike. I just redid it a couple of days ago. <laughs> the one I did, the one I did about three months ago, got, I couldn't believe how many views and comments I got sent to me personally about it, about riding the bike and life. You ride your bike, you ride your bike, you have a person beside you. They're riding along with you, and all of a sudden, where'd they go? Where'd they go? And you look over your shoulder, they're back, they're back there. Or you're riding beside you, they're riding beside you, and you're like-minded, and all of a sudden, there's a fork in the road. You go this way because you're continuing to develop, and they drive off the cliff. Yeah. They just or, they self implode. They they destroy their lives. And that's, you know, we can't, I don't even worry about that anymore. I worry about the willing. I want to yeah. work with the willing. I want friends and people in my tribe like you, Amber. You know, you're part of my tribe now. Fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people the same thing. I'm like, you're stuck with me whether you like it or not. So, um, hashtag stalker, right? <laughs> hey, um, but... I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that as long as you put kind, kind notes in my picture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <older gentlemen. laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I want to, I want to take a little bit of a twist on what you said, because I've dealt with this and, and we're getting to the point where we're going to wrap up, but I could talk to you forever about this. Um, there are so many people that say, cause you said you're trying to please everybody. Right. And, or, or, um, that's kind of where we all start is trying to please everybody. And what happens in that situation, and I know this sounds so cliche, but you alienate everybody around you because nobody can figure out who you really are. And I saw this in a, in, in an image once from a mastermind that I was in related to sales and communication and all of this stuff. And it had, um, people like you over here they hate you over here. They love you and they hate you at different ends of the spectrum. And then in the middle, it was like, everybody loves you. And he had written the broke zone around this. He says, people here don't make any money because nobody knows what you stand for. The people on the outer side, they make money from the people that connect with them and the people that don't connect with them get, you know, pushed away until they do. Um, and that was super powerful to me as well, because we think, oh, I want to keep everybody around me from my entire life that I've connected with. One of um, my favorite Facebook videos from a friend of mine, he talked about how people aren't always supposed to go on every step of their journey with you. And this is where I wanted to comment on what you said, because you talked about kind of this fork in the road. And 
I think it's very possible for us to take a fork in the road and for somebody to kind of fall off a cliff, but it's also possible for us to take a fork in a road and, and develop ourselves personally and professionally and someone else to take a fork in a road and develop themselves personally and professionally in a different way. Um, and yet we still don't connect because we've taken those different paths. And that's so important for people to know. Like, I feel like so many times people are talking about, I don't want to cut people out of my life. I want to maintain all of my friends. I don't want to offend anybody. And what you just said is so powerful because it's not about offending anybody. It's about being true to yourself and letting the people who want to come with you come along. People pleasing is something that we're taught since we're, we're very young right to to please people and not everybody's taught that obviously there's people that are in different circumstances majority of us though are taught to always make people happy and keep that little circle and you don't want to offend anybody and really you're not defined as an individual to anybody and we live a life as a facade right we we look at a front of a let's say uh, a store like a 711 we know what it, we know what it's going to look like on the outside we open the door we walk into that store we know it's going to be set up the same at pretty much every 711 but some people some stores have a beautiful facade you open up the door and it looks like oh my gosh what kind of what is this cuz they haven't defined themselves and that when we as people realize that we all have a facade. So if I'm the same person and where I'm going with this is on back to social media or, you know, eventually when I want to do my podcast or whatever I'm doing, I need to be the same genuine person all the time. And those that are attracted to my good facade, when they open up the door and look inside, they're going to see the same thing, no matter how they approach me, they're going to see the same thing. Yeah, 100%. And um, it's so easy and so difficult at the same time because like, we know the way that we want to show up. And the other side of that, because I love the analogy that you used with um, the convenience store that doesn't really have an identity. But the other thing that I want to point out is like that diner that on the outside looks like you're going to get salmonella and food poisoning and die if you eat there. And yet it is the best food you've ever had in your life. And everybody yeah. like lines up around the corner to get in and you wait for like an hour and a half to get in. And then you can go to like this five-star restaurant and it's just pretentious and you don't fit in and the food's sometimes okay and sometimes not. And it's like the don't judge a book by the cover idea, right? But it's also like know who you are know what's important. I'm a practicing attorney. I'm at work today. I'm meeting with clients and I'm in jeans and a t-shirt because that's who I am. And my mom has asked me, she's like, don't you think that your clients walk in and they expect to see this professional attire and that's going to turn them off? And my answer is always the same. If it turns them off, they were never meant to be my clients in the first place because this is who I am. And I think that like more people need to own that. I love that because, you know, man, this is a great conversation. I'm, I agree with you. We could talk all day. Um, when I look at the image that I used to have to present to myself, um, it was unbelievable what people had expectations and what they implemented into me in my industry, whether it was in the, as an IT consultant, you know, wear a suit, tie, and be all professional. And I found when I was in my finance industry, 
that when I walk into somebody's home or into their business, because I do 99% of my stuff, obviously prior COVID, I'd come to people's houses. I want them to be comfortable. But what I didn't realize initially was that comfortableness I brought to their, by being in their house so they wouldn't have to leave or their business was negated by the fact that I was dressed up in, in a suit with a tie and it, it was uncomfortable. And I started having some people that were close friends of mine that said to me, you know what, you need to dumb it down. You need to dress it down. You know, we know you outside of this. We've hung out with you. That's what we want to see when you come to our house. And at first I was, I was, I was took that kind of offended. And well, you don't know nothing about business. I know, Bill, <laughs> you know what I mean? My other mentor said, I got to be dressed up. I got to do this. I got to do this. Right. And I just, I did, I dressed it down and I'd say, I have a lot of nice dress clothes and don't get me wrong. I like dressing up, but, and, and I do have very few clients where I have to dress up. I've learned that now, but I go in even with brand new clients. I go in being me. I'm wearing a Lululemon shirt. I've got some cargo pants on. I walk into their house. I got a fedora. I like wearing fedoras. I got a fedora on or I'm wearing a ball hat. And, hey, how's it going? I want to be yeah. relatable. I want to be me. If you don't want to deal with me because I'm me, Cliff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's their cho- That's their choice. And it's my choice. I'm not saying they're wrong or I'm not saying I'm right. I just need to be me. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing I'm going to say before we, we kind of change directions, because again, I feel like we could have a seven hour podcast on this topic, <laughs> is you just said the word again, choice, right? And I want to point that out because you said that's their choice and that's my choice. And I want to like point out that that's the most important part of this conversation is you have a choice. Set those boundaries, set what you're willing to do, what part of you are you willing to change? You know, obviously there are days that I have to dress up because it's court and it's socially required and I understand that. Um, But when I'm in my office, like there are parts of me that I'm not willing to change and that's my comfort level. And I want to be comfortable when I walk into a meeting with a client so that I can show up 100%. And that's my choice and that's my boundary. And I feel like so many times when we're having this conversation, everybody's focusing on the other person. They don't like this. They don't like that. This is their choice. That's amazing, but it's your choice too. And I really want people to remember that their choice comes into this equation. Oh, absolutely. Their choice comes into the equation. And, you you know, this is another thing I talk about and, you know, I've spoke about it on stage and in some of my videos, we have to stop living our lives for the committee of they. And what, what, what does that mean? Well, the committee of they is, they think you should do this. They think you should do this. And, you know, everybody, again, nothing against your mom and her opinion of how you should dress, but I've heard the same things from people and, you know, and the committee of they, it's, I'm so done with that. And we need to live our lives defining ourselves as who we want to be and present ourselves to the world. And enough people are going to love on us. They're going to appreciate our choices, our words, our, and what we represent as ourselves. And we have to literally, the committee of they is crushed and continuing to crush the society. I look at the political um, crap that's going on with the pandemic and how it's how it's destroying people's lives, how they're drawing racism into it, and they're how they're drawing in. You know, has COVID brought out some good stuff in a sense of you know 
peeling back the curtain of a bunch of crop crap in regards to child trafficking and you know black lives matter yes i'm not saying that that stuff isn't important but the committee if they takes everything to the extreme i'll say that again they take it to the extreme they just can't have open conversations they can't just agree to disagree and walk away and still be friends they crush one another and they want to crush us and they and and they're they're energy vampires right so my whole goal is to continually fight because it is a continual fight against the committee of they because like you said earlier what do people say on videos or how do they comment there's always critics you know at the end of the day there have i've had a few critics and we couldn't have an open conversation where we agree to disagree they started making it personal or whatever i don't unfriend people i block that shit the committee of they that portion of my life that i don't like or that person or those persons they don't deserve i have to think that way they don't deserve to be in dwight's world right and it's not because i'm i'm uh, um a person that's a narcissist or anything to do like that i'm a person that believes that if you i want to be in your world amber you want to be in my world let's co-mingle let's let's overlap we're not always going to agree but let's agree to disagree and walk away and still care about one another and realize that we have different political views or religious views or family views or whatever and that's okay as long as we're not personal we're not hurtful to one another there you know we'll get along great and the committee of they can go suck it yeah, and I love that so much. And there's going to be somebody who hears that and is like, man, I liked this guy up until this point. But, you know, what I hear when I, when I hear you say that is that you are intentionally protecting your energy and, and your space. Like, you are Absolutely. intentionally protecting what you allow people, what you allow around you. And, you know, I'm, I hear so much from you and I don't know whether you've trained in um, NLP at all, but I hear so many NLP statements from you, especially in the way that people think in the auditory digital and auditory and visual representation systems. Um, but I'm a, I'm a um, master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming and the energy and the people that we surround ourselves with have a very serious impact on our day and our future. And so many times people think, man, I got to keep, you know, I've got to stay loyal, right? The loyalty argument, I've got to stay loyal to this person. But if they're no longer supporting the energy that you want to create and the lifestyle that you want to create, then by staying loyal to them, you're actually alienating yourself and your goals. Oh, absolutely. And so two things. So the NLP stuff, I just started a friend of mine, Emma, um, she's a master. She's certified as NLP. She started doing free online. She created a group and she's had like five weeks now. I've only been able to go on a couple. So the stuff I talk about, I had nothing to do with necessarily being trained in NLP or taking courses in it. But you know, it's just funny that you bring it up. We've had so many things that you brought up that connect really connect with me in my heart and mind and NLP is something that um, I know she messaged me because I couldn't go she has them Sundays now and it's during when I go on a virtual I do virtual mass right so I go on to my mass and she's doing it at the same time I haven't had a chance to do it on from her Saturday but NLP I believe is so powerful and um, how we learn to reprogram our mind because our mind is a computer and a giant computer we can reprogram and we can decide to protect like like you said our energy and our energy is so important 
and staying away from all the energy vampires out there is is imperative right and yeah. there's so many of them out there and it's just it's sad right our families sometimes are, are the worst energy vampires and i hate saying that but it's the truth yeah yeah i definitely can um I, I definitely agree with that. So um, again, we could talk all day about this, but it's coming to the end of our time, sadly. Um, I want to wrap up with a quick random round and kind of get to know you a little bit more. Um, are you okay with that? Sure. Okay, absolutely. cool. So first of all, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? If I could time travel, where would I go and why? I'd probably go back to... Um, ancient times, um, like Greece, five, 6,000 years ago. Um, I love history. Um, I finally inspired one of my bucket list items, two of them actually, since 2015. I went to the Middle East in 2015, studied some history, went on a, um, um, a religious journey with my church, and then I spent time outside of that. When they all left, I went and spent time in Jordan. Went to Petra. I love. I want. I'd love to experience stuff like Petra um, in Jordan or in Greece. You know, in the medieval times. And I don't know. It maybe sounds weird, but that's what I'd really like to. I. You know, obviously not the danger portion of it. I don't want to be the person in the ring with the lion. <laughs> but, oh come on I, now, I, live a little. I'd love to, uh, yeah, I, I, I love history. I, I had so much fun in Greece. Uh, even the group of people I went with uh, that I met up with, I flew there and met up with people that were already on a journey um, going to Scotland and Ireland and all these other places. I literally, um, I went on extra stuff. When they had the days when they wanted to hang at the pool and the beach, I was going to more museums. I was going to art galleries and yeah, so I'd like to live, I'd like to check out if I could time travel and actually experience that age. I love it. And um, I'm interested to see what your follow-up answer is to this, because I wonder how much they, they coincide. But if you could have any profession other than what you currently do, what would you like to attempt? Oh, you know, I probably it's not going to be what you'd think, and it just popped into my head. I'd like to be somebody that is a psychologist in the sense that I'm not a psychologist, but I'm using NLP and psychology to help people mold themselves into a better version of themselves because I wish I would have had that. I wish they, that public health in North America would allow us to have, be able to go sit with somebody once a month. That's not family. That's somebody outside of our, our sphere of life, outside of our world, and can we can talk to you to help heal our hearts and our minds so i would like to do that but not necessarily have the label of being a psychologist or a master nlp practitioner i'm not saying any of that's wrong i just want to be the person that's this is me i'm dwight i can you know let's talk this is my life lessons maybe i can help you through your journey and i would just and that's part of where i want to pivot with my business so yeah, if I, I was going to say, finance all, if I could drive, fi drop finance altogether, I'm fine with that. Don't get me wrong. I love what I do, but my passion is what I was just mentioning. Yeah. And I was just going to say, you're well on your way to accomplishing that by the way you talk about how you deal with your financial clients. So I love that so much. Um, you mentioned earlier that you are an audiobook listener, not a physical book reader, right? 
So do you have a book in the finance world or the entrepreneurial space, whether it's mindset or practical, that you would recommend to a new entrepreneur? Two books, if that's okay. Of course. Um, one of my favorite books of all time, and they actually have the new version out, the children have actually done um, the digital version, is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Carnegie. Um, his kids have actually done, um, redid it, and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age. And it talks about social media, and it's so powerful. Um, I have that on Audible. Um, as a budding starting entrepreneur, the number one book I would highly recommend is Side Hustle Millionaire by Tony Watley. Um, Tony actually does the actual narrative on the audiobook. Um, it is amazing. It, it will give people, whether you're in Canada, US, or no matter where you are, it'll give you a great start to understanding the ins and outs and the energy and, and effort that you have to put in um, to become an entrepreneur. And again, side hustle millionaire. You, you, if you know anything about Tony, he his side hustle actually made him more than his career and it, it was making him way more than his career. And eventually when his career ended, his side hustle, you know, became his life and his passion. And it was just like, it was like the universe smiled down on him and said, this is what you need to do. And then from there he developed the 365 driven society. And yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a big uh, fan of, of Tony in the sense that not that I fan on him, but I'm a fan of what he is, what he has represented, what he continues to represent. So I would recommend that book, those two books for, I have tons more, but those are the two I'd start with for any entrepreneur aspiring or current. I love it. And how to win friends and influence people is a classic. And it's mentioned a lot when I asked that question, but Tony's book, that's the first time anybody's ever mentioned that. And so I'm super excited to check that out. It's a great, it's, I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I can't remember. It's I'm on to another book. That's about, it's about six hours of listening, but the nice thing about it on the audible side that he doesn't do on the actual book is every chapter he adds extra value. That's so if awesome. you listen to the audio, the audio, he actually adds extra value to every chapter. It's, yeah, it's amazing. So Love it. And last question. And I don't think I've ever been more excited to ask anybody this question <laughs> up until now, because I know your passion for music. So because I'm a music nerd, I have to know everybody's pump up song. What is that song that you just can't have a bad day when you're listening to? Oh, there's two of them. Um, I have a tiger by, uh, is it survivor? I can't remember. It is survivor. It just, it just totally slipped my mind and up, up by Shania Twain. So different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> and I do love both of those songs up by Shania Twain, man. I haven't listened to that in forever, but like, I'm, I'm like grooving just thinking about it. So oh, that's I, amazing. I I've yeah. seen her a couple times in concert and yeah, I love Shania. I saw her once at Caesars um, when she, when she did Caesars and um, she was fantastic. She was fantastic. So, um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And I have absolutely loved our conversation. Um, one more time before we wrap up, where is the best place for people to connect with you if they want to follow up about any of your financial advice, your mindset principles, anything you're doing with the 365 Driven Society, or just connect with an amazing human being? Um, Thank you for saying that. Thank you for having me on the show. The best place uh, would be to go to my website, giveaheck.com. 
Um, you know, you can read my about section, you can read, reach out to me, there's a co contact, you can schedule a half hour call with me, no charge, right? Depending on what you need help with, there'll be no charge at all for me to help you out to get, uh, you know, on the right path. And then you scroll to the bottom, you have the links to my social media. Um, you can check, check me out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can check out my videos. Um, they're posted live on the two forums every day, unless I'm out of the office, like out of my home office. And the only place I do it live is on, on Facebook because it's kind of hard to hold two phones <laughs> when, yeah. you're, when you're not at home. But I always post that video, that live video on Instagram. It's always posted on LinkedIn. And yeah, that's how you can reach me is on my website. It's the best place, giveaheck.com. Love it. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. You as well. God bless. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.